from a passage of scripture that I think often gets overlooked when you look at Matthew chapter 2. For most of us, when we think about Matthew 2 and, and the, the Christmas account, we think of the wise men. And we think of the gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A gift for a king, a gift for a priest, a gift for a savior. All three of those things identify uh, what Jesus came and what he did for us. But I really believe there is someone in Matthew chapter 2 that if I'm going to title the message, it would be trying to kill Christmas, the man who tried to kill Christmas, and that would be Herod. Now this morning, I don't, I don't know if you got up and maybe exchanged gifts, or maybe some of your parents are holding you off till after church, I don't, I don't know. But Ira Spray wrote it this way. Christmas is for giving and for showing that we care, for honoring the Christ child with the loving gifts we share. The wise men gave their riches, the shepherds' faith and love. Each gift in its own measure was smiled on from above. Let every gift be treasured. It's not always the size or the price. It determines the extent of love and the willing sacrifice. Handsome gifts with festive trim bring smiles of sweet content, but modest gifts of humble means are oftentimes heaven sent. Whether it be large or small, each gift will share in part the message of true Christmas joy if it's given from the heart. Last night, after the Christmas Eve service, we took off for Dayton uh, as we have done my entire married life with Renee. Except this year, Mamaw's in heaven. When we got to uh, Mamaw's house, Renee's sister, Brenda, asked her to come to the back bedroom, and, and they pulled me in and said, bring Greg in here too. And on the bed uh, were a number of pillows, and they were going to ask Renee to take her pick, but these were no ordinary pillows. They were from blouses and clothing from mammal. You see, a simple pillow took on the definition of a treasure for us. And aren't you glad this morning that Christmas really is simple, but the greatest treasure because it brings us Jesus. Now, here's what we found out a few Wednesday nights ago. Uh, Jesus is eternal, amen? He always was. He didn't come onto the scene in Bethlehem. He always was. The Bible says, and he is to have preeminence in everything we do. So we need to really ask ourselves a question as we close out this year and look at a new year. Does everything I do point people to Jesus? I don't know about you. I, I fail the test sometime. Anybody here do that? I, I fail the test sometime. But let that be the desire of our heart, to want to please and serve Jesus. You know, when you think about this time of year, uh, for some it's not so merry. You know, years ago before I became your pastor, I was a postal clerk. And uh, Uncle Sam went through this big thing, we don't want any clerks saying Merry Christmas. Give me a break. 
give me a break. And, and you know, in my, I'm thinking, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. But it's interesting that the term Merry Christmas somehow became a threat to people. Many businesses were discouraging their employees to use that kind of terminology. Folks, let me tell you something this morning. There is no Christmas without Christ. I mean, I mean, if we celebrate Christmas without Jesus, we're just having a little party. But I'm telling you this morning, we are worshiping God in the flesh. Wednesday night, we talked about God, uh, Jesus is eternal. Listen to me. And Jesus is God. Now understand that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word came. It was made flesh and dwelt among us. John is talking about Jesus. God with us. So we get to Matthew chapter 2. Now, keep in mind, uh, I don't want to burst anybody's nativity bubble. Look at me. The wise men were not there with the shepherds when Jesus was born. However, look at me. Now, don't, don't get mad and offended. They did come. They did come. And as you're going to find out in Matthew chapter 2, somewhere around two years or under, because that's what threatened this man, Herod, to want to kill Christmas. And if you want to kill Christmas, you kill Christ. And that's exactly what he thought he could do. But you're going to see a miracle of all miracles. Here we go. Matthew chapter 2. If you're with me, say amen. Now, before we read it, look at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Look at verse 3. When Herod the king, verse 7, then Herod, verse 12, then being divinely warmed in a dream, they should not return to Herod, verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. Verse 19, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Down verse 22, but when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod. Folks, if Herod is mentioned that many times in Matthew, 20, or Matthew 2, there has to be some significance there has to be some significance. I mean, chapter 2, the wise men get most of the attention. Their gifts. Uh, John MacArthur, in his teaching, he said he believes that the only reason we think of three wise men is because there's three gifts mentioned. He believes that when the wise men came, that they came with an entourage. And that's why really freaked Herod out. 
and got his attention. Herod was so threatened by the birth of Jesus and the news of Jesus that he did not care about life and he didn't care who he killed. That's the mentality. Now, who is Herod? He's what's called an Edomite. And Julius Caesar had appointed his father as what's called a procurator. In Roman history, uh, there were imperial officials. They had fiscal and administrative powers over Judah or Judea. And about 47 years before the birth of Christ, his father was serving. Now this Herod is referred to as Herod the Great. He was appointed as an overseer of the region of Galilee. And he poured into the splendor of Jerusalem. How did he do that? By erecting the temple. The center of worship during the time of Christ. Yet, it's the birth of a little boy, the Savior, that confronts Herod with his own limitations and his own mortality. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you arrived at the point in your life where you realize you can't do things you used to do? If you have, on the count of three, I want you to say amen. One, two, three. Oh, man, I, I, I have. You know, I used to get sore from playing ball all day. I get sore now from shooting foul shots. Uh, I, I, I used to be able, Tim, to stack wood and do things like that. Yesterday, most of the day, I was trying to have Renee find the spot on my back where she could put her fingers and rub. And I have made these statements recently. I've lost my skills never to return again. You begin, when you get older, to start thinking about your own mortality. Meaning, you begin to think that you're not going to live forever. That, that we're kind of breaking down. Uh, you know, when the car needs help, you take it to the garage, right? When the body needs help, you go to the doctor, they may diagnose, and, and then all of a sudden you find yourself on an operating table. And I've never felt more mortal in my life than when there's an x-ray being taken or an MRI or a CAT scan. What if they find something I don't even know is there? That's exactly the kind of fear that Herod wanted the world to live in, and that's exactly the kind of fear the devil wants you to live your life in. To just walk around and wonder, what if, what if, what if? The good news is Jesus came so that we could know. The good news is Jesus came so that we could have hope and that our hope in Christ and the power of God in our life would far outweigh any fear that seems to be overwhelming us. I love the fact that it was the birth of Jesus that confronted Herod with his own mortality. Now, in chapter 2, the Bible says that they come from the east, verse 2, and they ask the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
Now, we know the story. These guys studied the stars. This was no normal occurrence. This was supernatural. Herod, the king, hears this, and he's troubled. And let me tell you something. Because he's troubled, all of Jerusalem is going to be troubled. And when he gathered all the chief priests, the religious leaders, the scribes, the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And guess what they did? They knew, they knew the Old Testament. It would be Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Uh, Micah's prophecy, not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. I want to remind you this morning that I really see a picture of somebody we know this morning in Herod. I see a picture of the liar, the devil. Herod wasn't wanting Jesus to worship him. Herod was wanting to find this Jesus to kill him. If you, if you have a, a pen or anything to take a few notes, I want to give you a two, few things to take home. Here's the first one. Herod wanted to keep the birth and location of Jesus quiet. He wanted it for himself. He wanted a secret meeting. Here we go, number one. The gospel message is not a secret. Jesus came for everybody. You see, when you give your life to Christ, he doesn't call you to be a, a CIA Christian. Now, I don't, I don't know if any, we have any folks here today that are in the CIA I don't know if there are any U.S. Marshals on the plane when I get on it. But I know one thing. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he doesn't call you to sit on the secret of being saved. He calls you to be a light in a dark world. So you see the lie of Herod. Bring him to me. Don't tell anybody. Bring him to me that I may worship him. And brothers and sisters, you have family, you have friends. If the Lord tarries, 2023 has opportunity for you to share the hope that is in you and what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And Herod's motives begin to surface. There are false motives. He wants to kill the Christ child. And I want to tell you something. This would be a marker on the life of the Lord Jesus Christ because there would be plenty of folks who thought they could kill him. But listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 18. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down and when I want to and also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. So these wise men are on a journey. Verse 8, and he sends them to Bethlehem and says, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. 
And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, listen, the star which they had seen in the east. Remember, they knew, their, they knew the skies went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. These studiers of the skies, these studiers of the stars, God was in it. And God was drawing them to worship the Christ child. Number two. God has always given us clear directions on how to come to him. It's a star here in this part of the Christmas story. It was angels to the shepherds in the field. It was the angels reassuring Mary and Joseph of God's plan. God always gives clear directions on how to come to him. Oftentimes, Renee and I will be in the car, and uh, uh, we need directions. And when I'm driving, not knowing where I'm going, I get a little tense. Is anybody else like that? I, get a little, I do, I get a little nervous. Um, I mean, if we were to go to Dayton, I can take you anywhere in Dayton and get you anywhere you need to go without any anxiety. But if you say, Greg, we're going to go down to Cincinnati. Greg, we're going to go to Columbus or Indianapolis. Greg, we're going to go to the city. We're going to go to Richmond. I get, I get a little anxiety. So Renee is my co-pilot, and I say, Renee, get directions. And here I am at a point, do I turn right or left, and the directions have not come up yet. Are you with me? Let's go. You know, here... Mr. Spiritual Pastor, this is me. Uh, you think you can speed it up a little bit, hon? Uh, I don't know where we're at. I don't know which way to turn. God is not like that. God always gives clear directions. And let me make sure you understand something this Christmas Sunday morning. Listen, directions to get to God involve a cross. Jesus died on. He built a bridge so that we could come to God. And the good news is, none of us deserve it, but he loves us so much, he makes the way possible. And I'm so glad as a 14-year-old boy, I quit playing church games, quit worrying about what my parents would think, what my preacher would think, and I said, Lord Jesus, I need to know tonight that if I die, I'm going to heaven. God, forgive me of my sin. And I want to tell you, and you don't, you don't need any reinforcement from me. There have been many times I've been a sorry Christian, but I've never been sorry I've gave my life to Christ. The directions to come to God are always clear. They're always clear. And I'm telling you that when you think about these wise men, they were, it was more than just cosmic wisdom because God had gotten their attention. I love the fact that God's directions are so clear. It's a simple message. You ready? 
His life for mine. His life for mine. And the greatest thing you can give the Lord is your heart. Is your heart. Look what happens. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary. Okay, I want you to circle something. And they fell down and worshiped him. A lot of people worship Mary. Key player in the whole gospel. But I'm telling you, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And the Bible says when they get there, they fell down. I can still remember, it seemed, a few years ago, Marcia, we did a, a Christmas pageant, and I, th I think Bucky Brewer was a wise man. Remember those? And during the song, a big, a big anthem and uh, kind of a crescendo in the, in the musical, those wise men began to, be, came forward. Do you remember that? The spotlights following them. And they get to the manger, and, and, and they get to Jesus. And what do they do? They lay their gifts down. They take their crowns off. And the Bible says, when they encountered Christ, they could not hold back their worship. They couldn't hold it back. And then they opened their treasures and they presented their gifts to the Lord. What would you consider treasures in your life? Uh, big bank account? What would you consider treasures in your life? Uh, uh, your home? Uh, a, a vehicle? Uh, just, just something that nobody knows about? Um, folks, I've, I've got news for you. That's what God wants. He wants you to give him what you have. Well, you say, what do you mean, Brother Greg? I can't, I can't give the Lord, uh, how can I make a living if I give the Lord money? Well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just be a, a testimony here this morning. You cannot manage your money by keeping 100% better than you can by being obedient and giving God 10. He'll help you. He'll help you. And, and then when a person says, I can't do that, here's what you're saying. I, I earn it. It's all about me. But the good news is, God gives us such clear directions on how to come to him. When we come to him, he will change our hearts. Now, we, we, have, some, we have some good times often before a person is baptized here. Back when Mary Melton was our mayor. Do you remember those days? She's now in heaven. I had the privilege to baptize Mary, and I asked her from the water, Mary... My only concern is, how long do you hold a mayor under? That made her laugh. We've also had some experiences where we've said things like this. Okay, Dr. Hoke, I'm gonna baptize you, but I'm gonna keep you under until you say tithe. That makes people laugh. And, and believe me, I have baptized some men, and when I take them down, I see this happen. You know, you know don't baptize my billful, right? Now, what are you saying that, Brother Greg? God gives us everything we have. He gives us everything we have. And the good news is, he makes such a clear way, he gives us such clear directions on how to come to him, the wise men give us a picture that when we truly encounter Christ, we'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. So the Bible says there was joy. They saw 
they focused, they worshiped, they gave what they had. There was symbolic meaning to the gifts. They were just not random gifts. And then verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Let me introduce what Herod is now dealing with, betrayal. Maybe this king does have some kind of power. Maybe this king is changing people's lives. He was sent by Herod, but the wise men no longer reported to Herod. They had been in the presence of the Messiah. God with us. And when they gave the Lord Jesus what they had, they received a clear word on what they needed to do. When you give Jesus your heart, the Bible gives us a clear word on what we need to do. The Bible says if we confess, uh, if we make our decision public, God is pleased with that. If we want to hide it, God's not pleased. He said that's part of a testimony. That's part of your decision. When a person is baptized, what, what are they saying? I've given my life to Christ. The water in Camden, folks, is not magical water. It's symbolic water that Jesus has changed my heart. And, and by the way, when you look at the wise men, I believe the mark of a believer is who you follow. If you're here today and you claim to be a Christian and you want to live just as close to the world as you possibly can, you need to ask yourself, have you ever surrendered your life to Christ? Some of the saddest words in Scripture, Matthew 7, Jesus said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, the Bible says, you will know them by your fruits, by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So here we're introduced to the man who wants to kill Christmas. Verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night. They departed to Egypt, verse 15, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. We see anger, we see jealousy, we see betrayal. And because Herod did not know where he was, he would kill all boys. Look at it, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth to put death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. 
killing a little boy would be unthinkable. And brothers and sisters, we live in a land that views life as expendable as a trip to the doctor's office. Herod saw life as a waste. Jesus sees life as precious. Herod didn't care. Jesus came because of God's love. Herod didn't care about pain in order to get his way. Jesus died for you and the pain in your life. Herod didn't know Jesus. But the good news this morning is Jesus knows you. He knows you. He knows you. Number three, when you encounter Christ, he can change the direction of your life. Amen? Any, any satisfied customers here this morning? Man, he cha- he's a changer. He's a change agent. They were no longer reporting to Herod. They had higher orders. And the good news is Christ is still in the life-changing business. And I praise him for it. You see, Herod wanted to rule, and he wanted everyone to fear him. Jesus wants you to follow him. He wants you to follow him. When, uh, when Renee and I got married, oh, it, is, it, was, it was quite the royal wedding. Uh, my ivory tux, ivory white. Um, we made a decision that morning to go from black tux to ivory. Renee wanted me to wear a white tux the whole time, but we couldn't find one. I was very skinny back then. So we got the black tux, and on rehearsal night, I stayed all night with my sister and brother-in-law. And I came from Price Stores. Anybody remember Price Stores in downtown Dayton? I came home from Price Stores, had, my, had, had this black tux, and Sheila said, let me see it. And I put it on, and she goes, you ain't wearing that in your wedding. That's a, that's a good reassuring word, isn't it, on the day before your wedding? She goes, you're not wearing that. Number one, it's too big. We went back the day of, and they swapped it out. Renee didn't even know. She thought she's walking down the aisle to a black tuxedoed fiance. There I stood, like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. And we got to the point of our vows. And I knew way beyond then, Gracie, that, that that's who I want to marry. And he asked the question, do you? And I, I'm all in, Yes. What if Renee would have said, Renee, Renee, do you take Greg to be your husband and do you promise to be faithful and everything? And Renee goes, I mean, just the pause would be, the pause would crush me. But I looked, she looked at me and I looked at her and we had no clue what the future had in front of us. We didn't even, we didn't even have a, too many dollars in the bank. Anybody want to say amen? But boy, we had love. And it's going to get us through. And we had a simple faith in a Savior who would just take care of us. And we had family that loved us. See what Jesus wants to do? He wants to overcome the fear that we may have when we're not sure. A lot of people don't come to Christ because you feel like you can't live it. You can't keep up with it. Folks, nobody can. That's why Jesus died. 
You're never going to be good enough to be saved. You're never going to live a life where it's 51% better than the other and, and you're somehow going to slide into heaven. I mean, who determines that then? You'd go to bed every night wondering about the future. Jesus dies. Remember that earlier point? God makes it crystal clear. He gives us good instructions how to come to him. And you see, we see that Herod is already a liar. His desire is to kill Christmas. His desire is to kill the Christ child. And the devil is a liar who says things like, you don't need to be saved. You don't need to worship. You don't need to go to church. You don't have anything to offer. And the wise men found their lives greatly affected. And the direction of their lives was changed forever because they encountered Jesus. 19, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to the dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. And that's where Jesus would be raised. This morning, Herschel York penned these words. The small, intimate scenes of the manger are not all of the story, but rather the public execution of Bethlehem's child on the Jerusalem cross. Jesus was born to die, but he died to live, and he lives to ever intercede on our behalf for those he saves. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit is dealing with some people's hearts. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know when the Holy Spirit deals with, with your heart? I can only answer that for myself. I, I, have a, I, I just have a warm feel, feeling in my heart. That, God, you're speaking to me. What do I need to do? You know, a lot of, living, a lot of giving takes place and it's already taken place for many this Christmas. And I want to use and I want to close the service with, with an example. Okay? Donna, I want to give you a gift. And in my pocket this morning, and it's mauve color, it really is a woman's pen. And I would like you to have it. And I'd like you to have it because I don't want it anymore. Okay? Jennifer Garnett, I want to give you a copy of On This Holy Night. It's devotionals from Max Lucado, Rick Warren, David Jeremiah. I'd like you to have that. I know right field feels slighted every now and then. Okay. Marilyn, I want to give you a CD. Some of you know who Dennis Swanberg is. He's a Christian comedian, former pastor, 
never been opened, brand new. Love you to have that. But I would like Marilyn and Jennifer to know one thing. What I just gave you did not cost me one cent. I'm looking you over. I'm looking you over. Jackson? I want to give you something, okay? Brother Greg wants to give you a Bible. Okay, and that's a gift from me to you, okay? Did you notice that he, that, that he perked up when I said, I want to give you something, right? He got, he got interested. And, and that's a nice Bible. It's, it's King James Version, but it's got a flex soft cover, meaning that I could have given him a Bible with real leather on it. I didn't give Jackson the best I had. Listen to me this Christmas. That's exactly the way we treat God sometimes. We give him things we don't want. We give him things that didn't cost us anything. And we refuse to give him the best we've got. If you really want to see God do something in your life this Christmas, man, you laid it at the foot of the cross. You say, here it is, Lord. Here it is. Take me and change me. And I'm telling you, when you encounter Jesus Christ, your life will be forever changed. Amen? Let's all stand. I want you to bow your heads. If you're here today and you know beyond a doubt that you're saved, you know there's been a time when Christ has changed your life from the inside out, praise him, thank him for it, right where you stand.